In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today we have a very special guest with us. I'm super excited about this. Jared Margolis, CEO of Payless Worldwide. Jared, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bobby. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Before we get started, um, you know, you have such an interesting background. Do you mind giving our listeners a quick uh, bio of yourself? Sure. I definitely have an interesting background. I uh here I am today uh, working with Payless Shoes, and uh, it all started making custom clothing for professional athletes in my early 20s. And uh, it was very a very high-end niche business, and uh, it's just such an honor to now take all the creativity that we've done and really look for you know incredible value and strong design and be able to do that now, you know, offering great value to people, uh, but still focused on the integrity of the quality of the design and, and, and the product. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it looks like you sold sold that business initially to to the big and tall retail chain, and then you've done a bunch of things in between. What led you to uh, to join Payless? So um, after I sold my business uh, in two thousand and nine, I moved to Asia with my wife, and we wanted to um, build a distribution business throughout Asia with a company, uh, Lian Fung, one of the largest at the time consumer products companies in the world. Although they're an Asia based company. 95% of the business was uh, export into the U.S., Latin America, and Europe. So I moved to Asia looking to build a distribution business, thinking that it was going to be pretty easy being part of this conglomerate, this Asia conglomerate. But what I did learn was the wants, the needs, the culture was completely different. And what works here in the U.S. or in Europe or in Latin America doesn't necessarily work in Asia, right? The wants, the needs, the culture are completely different. So we realized we couldn't just uh, plug and play. And as I was navigating through the different markets throughout Asia, I realized there was a lot of licensing agencies because a lot of the brands didn't have the boots on the ground. And fast track over the last 12 years, I up until starting with Payless, I built the largest licensing agency managing IP in the world, uh, generating around $300 million in royalties. So the opportunity came to me with Payless, and I was like, wow, what incredible IP. And you know what an amazing portfolio of brands within Payless. That's why the opportunity came and uh, how the opportunity came. And so excited to be a part of this incredible company. Although the, uh, the bankruptcy wiped out North America, uh, we still have a substantial business internationally. We own and operate 420 stores uh, throughout Central, South America, and the Caribbean. And then we have franchise partners in the, in the Philippines, Indonesia, India, Thailand, and the Middle East. So we have about 700 plus stores internationally. We're producing, we're designing and producing approximately 30 million pairs of shoes a year. So having this blank canvas in North America, we still have some great momentum coming in from our international business. That's great. And you know, you, you came in and you, and you basically got everything to a stable point and, and relaunch a brand. Tell us a little bit about that. What, what went into that and how did you approach things? 
it's still a huge work in progress. I mean, you know, COVID definitely slowed us down, which is not such a bad thing. We relaunched our dot-com business in August, and we just opened up our first newly designed in-store physical store experience actually here in the city of North Miami, but it's our first store in the U.S. Oh, awesome. 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 And it seems like that store, if I got this right, it's it's about 4,000 square feet and really like a true omnichannel experience. Is that correct? Yes, that's where we're going towards. The omnichannel experience is exactly what needs to happen. And uh, our digital business is definitely a huge initiative, but it's really our virtual front door to get people into the actual stores as we eventually roll out our, our brick and mortar presence uh, here in the U.S. And we're following that same model in our international markets as well. That's awesome. That's awesome, Jared. What, what, when you say omnichannel, what, what's important to you? What, do you? what are you tying in together in, in that store location and other stores that you're going to open up that you think is important? I think the you know the brick and click is is just critical. You can't you can't do one without the other, especially in the shoe business. And you know people always say brick and mortar is is out, but it, it's not going anywhere. And when you look at all of the value channels that are uh, brick and mortars, whether it's the TJ Maxx's, Ross's, all the dollar you know Dollar General, Five Below, Dollar Tree, they're all thriving. They're all opening and expanding on a daily basis. So we think we, you know, because of the new systems that we're putting in place, because of what we're looking to do with our new experience and creating this omni-channel and really focus on going into underserved communities and being part of these communities, I think we have a great opportunity to do something special. That's awesome. That's awesome. What is your strategy on, you know, you said you have a, a pretty strong presence internationally and, you know, it's your first location again in the, in the States. What's, what's your strategy of growth here in the near future? You know, we really want to learn the customer's behavior. We're not in a rush to open up stores so quickly. We really want to see how we can reshape and serve what the customer wants. We're looking to continue to open up a few more doors very slowly in South Florida, just to really iron out all the kinks and make sure that we're delivering, you know, what we've always promised and not to disappoint. And uh, once we get that model, then it's ready to move. Uh, I think we can move pretty aggressively. And now, Jared, what are some things that you're looking at? Is is it? Are you still trying to kind of figure out what the consumer experience is in the states as people come back into the locations? What What are the things that you're trying to figure out before you scale again? Just make sure that we're getting the assortments right. Uh, making sure that you know we're catering to what the customer wants and their needs. You know, the customer's experience is obviously important, but you know we got to define what that is for the value channel. It's hard to do everything and then also deliver the best price. So. We're just really focusing on designing to amaze. And, you know, as long as we can tell a good story and, and, and bring the best price, we, we're optimistic that uh, this could be a successful, uh, a successful rollout. Absolutely. Absolutely. As you, as you were designing kind of these, these new store locations uh, or new store location that you have now and kind of the future, have you, was there any, any kind of focus on how the consumer behavior has changed in, in shopping in store? Uh, is that is that part of the play? Or are, are you assuming that people will go back to how they were shopping before the pandemic? Look, I mean, people want convenience, right? They want convenience. They want to have a, a, an easy experience and they want to feel special, you know? And I think those are elements that we've, we're, we're definitely integrating. We're really investing in this virtual sizing component. You know, as a parent, we 
We know how difficult it is to do something for our kids and try to find shoes, but and try on shoes. So the fact that now we're going to, you know, develop this app to be able to scan our child's uh, with with our mobile device to scan their their shoe to get their size, I think that's going to be really interesting. We talk about conversational commerce. Uh, every retail retailer is going to really want to implement this. I think you know using through WhatsApp and iMessaging, I think we could do something really special. Uh, live commerce is definitely exploding. Stream live, you know, streaming live from the store and generating live engagement is something that we're really going to be focusing on doing. And again, back to the omni-channel experience. I mean, as long as we can make it seamless between the store and online, it's going to be very exciting to our consumer. Absolutely. You 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 said one thing that I want to double click on. You know, shoe sizing and using AR technology. Tell us a little bit about more uh, more about that. Like, what what's your experience been with implementing AR, and why did you see this as an important area of your of your strategy? I think it's it's customer engagement and convenience. We had the opportunity to connect with this uh, technology company that had it, and uh, you know they were doing it for more of the luxury brands, and thought that there was a great opportunity in the value channel, and uh, thought Payless was the right partner, so we wanted to jump on it. How important, as you're as you're thinking about you know the design of new stores and, and of course the existing stores that you have, how much did you change the in lo- in location experience as as you know we're coming out of COVID? What changes did you make, and was the in location experience important to you to, to to try to change it to the new consumer uh, trends and behaviors? Yeah, I mean our stores were so tired and old, you know that was uh, in in North America. Since then. Our, our new store, I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at it, but we, uh, you know, the, the racks are, are, are significantly lower. They're not stacked up all the way to the ceilings. The lighting is much better. We're classifying it today and things might change as we're, you know, we're using this as our experimental lab, right? But instead of just going by sizing, we're going by brands and by classifications, uh, but really creating a, a clean, nice, fresh environment is so engaging to the consumer. Uh, we had our grand opening, a matter of fact, on Women's National on Women's National Day, and it, it was just an incredible feeling to see so many people come into the store and uh, and the excitement uh, that they got from saying, "Wow, this is the new Payless." I mean, I, I never imagined having a Payless like this. We're so happy that you're back, but the experience is just uh, is on a whole nother level, and the price points haven't changed. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I checked out uh, of course images of the new store and it looks amazing it's very welcoming very fun very trendy so yeah i I, i'm I'm looking forward to visiting in person there look forward to having you absolutely absolutely as as you've been thinking about and you've probably seen a lot of great great experiences in locations and you've probably talked to a lot of people and given kind of your expertise what what's kind of your one of your uh, yeah outside of payless of course what's one of the the most impactful you know best in location experiences that you you've seen across different different store locations i think that the omni-channel experience. And again, it's nothing new, right? But to be able to click and collect or to be able to return your, you know, your shoes physically there so you can actually exchange for something and not have to pay for the shipping. I think that's something that's really uh, incredibly important and something that we were really striving to do. Again, back to the shoe sizing for us, for kids, I think this is going to be a game changer uh, in the in- industry. This, this in-store experience, I think, is, is, is definitely critical. Awesome, awesome, awesome. What, is, what are some favorite stores that you like to personally shop in? I love going to the Apple store. I think that's so much yeah. fun. <laughs> when I look at our new Payless store, and it, it 
that was kind of the marching orders of the with the architect and how we wanted to design it and you know create that fresh clean experience love the apple store yeah no, absolutely do you think as 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 brands are and this is one of the common questions that we get jared like as as kind of smaller brands are thinking about reinventing themselves and thinking about how to connect with their consumers better their customers better you know, one of the questions that they ask is, well, what do I do first? Like, how do I do this? Uh, do you have any advice for, for these, you know, smaller, I guess, brands that are really looking to look up to the brands like Payless and, and how Payless has reinvented itself, what they should do first to be able to get to that same place for their brand? The vision that we have here at Payless is, you know, really to focus on being part of the community, right? Really getting engaged organically. And I, I think it's it's really how do you become part of the community? How do you really make sure that you're giving back to the community? How do you make a positive impact in the community? I believe, you know, at least for us, and this is what's driving, you know, the company today is doing that. I, I, I feel that that's how you win. And, uh, you know, we're looking to really uh, empower and create a, a huge focus on on making positive social impacts. And by doing that, I think that's going to make us a, a real differentiator and put us in a position to win and get back our, our, our market share. That's the advice I would give to any, any small operator because it's, it's almost impossible to, to, to compete with the big boys or girls out there. And uh, if you do it organically and, you, and you're passionate and you're sincere about really doing good in the communities, I don't see how you can't win as long as you deliver great customers, great product and, and, and great service. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the other things that, you know, it's, it's come up lately a lot is a lot of brands that are e-com only are now thinking about complementing and supplementing their e-com strategies with putting putting stores in, in different areas where they can connect better with, you know, their local community and, and of course, customers. What are some advice that you have for, you know, those companies that are e-com only and, and how they think about their, their brick and mortar strategy? The digital experience is, is obviously a, a great strategy, but again, to have a physical location and to be able to be able to maybe partner instead of, you know, you might not need to necessarily invest in the CapEx to open up your own stores. You know, how do you strategically align yourselves with brick and mortar players? And maybe there's a, a way to, to set up and, and help partner where you have uh, the right product or the right marketing and connectivity to partner with someone who maybe not have that and uh, deal with, you know, look at each other's uh, strengths and partner with one another. As you, as you uh, are thinking about new stores, and I know we've talked about some of the technologies, but what are some of the, what are some, like, if you had to pick, like, your favorite three technologies that uh, deliver a great in-location experience, what, what are some of the, those technologies that you, uh, that you like the most? I mean, it, it all depends on what systems you're on, uh, but it's, it's, it's just really partnering with best-in-class companies that have those systems to be able to offer. It's always evolving. And it's, you know, from our perspective, we want to be asset light and not develop our own technology and, and really partner with best in class operators that have technology that that, that can be implemented and, uh, and evolve it because it's just a constant uh, evolution. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think part of this is you're right. Like it's, it's, it's really based on what's right for the brand and then, you know, going after and figuring out the best of partners that, that actually solve a lot of those problems. Because I think it also is a brand element. Yeah. And, and then, you know, your liability and your exposure is limited. And again, it allows you to focus on what you do best. And there's just so much off the shelf product today that just delivers great support. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Jared, what's your prediction as you know we get hopefully to the, uh, the end of this uh, pandemic era and people shop more in locations that come out a little bit more? What's your prediction on uh, how much the kind of in-location experience is going to influence shoppers to come back into locations? Like I said, I, I don't see brick and mortar going uh, going anywhere anytime soon. Obviously, more higher price point products, more premium. There's going to be a lot of competition. People miss shopping. People miss shopping. And again, even if it's just for the experience to be able to uh, and, and, and go there and try product on or, or, you know, see and touch and feel, I'm very optimistic about it. We're getting some really decent traffic today in our first store and we're not doing a lot of marketing. When you go into the value channels, I mean, they're all doing really, really well. And their online business is uh, a lot of these operators, uh, brick and mortar value channel operators, don't really even have a big, e- a significant e-commerce business. So uh, I'm very bullish on it. That's awesome. As you think about your business internationally, do you, you manage uh, the way that you brand in each each country? Is it the same kind of brand aesthetic? Is it, is it, is it the same across all of your international locations as well? Our branding is all consistent. Uh, we're a global brand. Our assets are all controlled by uh, by a global marketing team. Then we localize when needed on some of the marketing materials, but the branding is all consistent across the globe. And one of the questions that we get a lot from uh, from brands that are trying to branch out, out of the United States is, uh, and I'm actually curious what you do at Payless, but um, is the inventory the same high level or is it is it different for the, for the different locations and countries? Yeah, you know, we build a global collection based on what the the desired needs are for each market. And, you know, obviously there's localized needs and we make sure that they, they get them. Our customers, whether it's our franchise partners or the Latin American or Central American business or in the Caribbean. But essentially we, we control all the design. And if there's anything that's locally needed, we make sure that they get what's what's needed. But it, I would say 80% of it is consistent across the globe. That's awesome, Jared. Well, that, that was a wealth of information. What did I forget to ask you that you want to make sure to share with our with our listeners? I think we covered a lot. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm excited for Payless. I, I think that we have an incredible opportunity to reposition ourselves and come back in a meaningful way uh, in, in North America. We're going to take our time doing it. But I think that uh, our vision and uh, our, our strategy and creating the winning formula is going to um, put a lot of smiles on people's faces because uh, there's very few people that grew up in North America that, that don't have uh, incredible uh, experiences uh, through, you know, from childhood until uh, adult uh, shopping at Payless. And uh, I think we're going to do a great job uh, over, the, over the next few years. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited uh, to visit uh, you know, the store location that you have currently. So would love to do that. What are, what are some fun things that you uh, like to do in, in Miami as some of our listeners uh, start to travel again and things open up? What are some of the suggestions that you have of fun things to do in Miami? Uh, Miami is a great place. I'm a native. I was born and raised here. Uh, I mean, the weather obviously speaks for itself, but uh, I, there's there's nothing better than, um, you know, walking the beaches and uh, being able to, uh, you know, enjoy the, the Latino culture and um Love, love, love Cuban food. They have the best Cuban food. But uh, Miami's becoming a metropolitan city now, so it's uh, you kind of can get everything, uh, including this amazing weather. So I encourage everyone to come. And you know, when you do come, please make sure you come to our our new Payless store because it's uh, it's a great establishment. That's awesome, Jared. Again, thank you so much for your time. 
I know you're super busy. Appreciate you spending some time with us and, and have a great rest of your day. Bobby, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and uh, I look forward to uh, having you in Miami soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll come definitely come visit. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in the show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.